Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 14, Windstruck. All right. Uh, So this week, we're going to try the thing again where we talk about each person individually. So Mary, tell me what happened this week with somebody. Dylan and Kelly hook up and blame the wind. (laughs) Kelly and Dylan also eat strawberries and cream in bed. That'll make sense later. (laughs) Dylan's like, let's go to the desert where the winds are stronger. Kelly says she can't because she has to do a car wash for the sorority. Dylan's like, no biggie. We can hang out later. Kelly doesn't believe Dylan isn't annoyed about it. Dylan shows up at the car wash and makes out with Kelly in front of John Sears, who sprays them with water, triggering a massive water fight between the kegs and the alphas. Steve rolls up and wants to play, too. His brother sent him away because probation. Dylan and Kelly read next to each other. Kelly tells Dylan she realized they don't have to be together 100% of the time to like each other and be a couple. Gosh, really nothing happened with them this week, did it? No, they literally got... I'm going to do it. They got windstruck (laughs) (laughs) by the Santa Anas and got swept up in the moment and get together again and then prove to each other that they can just casually date. I, I, yeah, I was a little confused when they like first hooked up. I was like, okay, so is this just like a sex thing or are we getting back together? Because the first time we see Dylan is when he's filling Brandon in about what happened at Thanksgiving, which mm-hmm. like I love so much that Brenda just didn't tell him about it. Yeah. Like they hung out and like at Thanksgiving and she just neglected to like drop this huge bomb. <laughs> I know. And so, yeah, he's like talking about this huge fight that they had. And then she complains that they're going to Donna and David's anniversary dinner, which I have so many issues with. So but we'll many. get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but not as a couple. Right. And then after dinner, other people offer Kelly a ride home and Dylan's like, no, no, I got it. And then the next time we see them, they're in bed together. Yeah. They're in bed eating strawberries with cream. Which like also, who just has that? Dylan McKay he's got that like that's like his aphrodisiac stack or stash it's like what he has when he knows he's gonna have a girl over which could be any time so he just always has it it's just his regular (laughs) breakfast I I actually really like the idea that Dylan is just like constantly laying in bed shirtless by himself just like eating strawberries dipped in cream feeding them to himself oh my gosh (laughs) I mean, that would be very Dylan McKay. Like, it would be. No, I'm pretty sure – so, like, they have the whole conversation in bed and then, like, he gets out and, you know, kind of storms off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Kelly just, like, flops back down and I swear to God, she, like, leans under the pillow and pulls out another strawberry. Except it looked (laughs) like a raspberry. (laughs) She just takes the tiniest bite. It's like, what is that doing? It's the one they dropped when they started making out. That's fair. But then it's like – was it just in Dylan's hand and then he just like drops it and so now it's tastes it's like just, Dylan's hand? <laughs> it's a bed strawberry now. Yeah. <laughs> it that just looks bed strawberry. <laughs> it just looks like the one they dropped. He actually just keeps bed strawberries. It's like it's like when you and I'm a new dog owner, so now I'm constantly thinking about it, but it's like when you sprinkle treats 
on the dog's bed to get them to lay down on it. And you just, the dog forgets like, oh my God, I found one. (laughs) Another treat, a bonus treat. I am not a new pet owner, but there have been several times that I'll just like find almonds sitting in a cabinet. And I'm just like, John, why are there almonds in the drawer where we keep our backup toothpaste? And he's like, (laughs) in case I need almonds. Those are my bathroom almonds, obviously. I'm pretty sure he technically called them shower almonds, but yes. (laughs) You never know when you're going to get snacky. (laughs) But yeah, like they blame the winds for getting back together. And I even wrote in my notes before this actually happened. I was like, you can't have sex and just be like, that damn wind, it got me. Like I've heard of the Santa Ana winds. I don't buy it. Mm -mm. I'm sorry. I don't either. And like. It would be one thing if they were still in this, like, honeymoon phase, but they immediately get in, like, a fight. And, like, they weren't really fighting. It was just Dylan was, like, swept up in the moment and, like, let's go to Joshua Tree in the desert where the winds are even stronger so we don't have to face reality and just have sex all the time, which isn't different than what their relationship actually was. And Kelly's like, "Mm, sorry, can't have another commitment. And he's like, oh, fine. It's no big deal. And does his Dylan broody thing. I know. He even says, like... she can go do the car wash. She's like, whatever. I just don't want to hear about it. And I was like, how yeah. is that not a red flag? Right. Like, first of all, he wants to go to Joshua Tree to just, like, go have more sex. And all I could think of was, like, I don't want to be naked in the winds. Or the desert. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not good. No. It doesn't sound fun. And then, yeah, he just, like, gets mad about her, like, having already made plans and not being willing to drop them, which is pretty much what they broke up about in the first place Mm -hmm. yeah which then it's like he does the dylan thing where he kind of like does the thing where he shows up unannounced like when he's he said oh i'm gonna do this thing so i'm gonna do this other thing like i mean this is just like thanksgiving the only difference is it's only with kelly because like he told kelly he wasn't gonna go to thanksgiving and then he tells brenda he is gonna go to thanksgiving and so now he's like well i'm not gonna go like i don't want to hear about your car wash and then he shows up at the car wash he's like bruh just, like, commit. Like, make a decision and commit to it. And then, oh, I hated the car wash because, like, he goes to make out with her and then John Sears turns around and sees them and sprays them with water and that's not, like, kind of a, a huge thing. Like, it was really cute that it broke out into a water fight, but it was just like, are we just pretending that John Sears isn't a giant tool bag for most of this episode? Or that, like, Dylan didn't pie him in the face. That they hate each other. Yeah. But it was ignored to focus on Steve, which obviously we'll get to later. And, like, it just wasn't important. Well, and then when so Steve shows up, his whole thing happens, and then he goes to leave, and Dylan is just like, man, where are you going? Why are you leaving? I was like, I guess Dylan likes him right now? Yeah, because they also don't really care about each other. <laughs> I I cannot get over that, like, one very specific episode where he was just like, I hate Steve so much, and then never again. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like, I mean, okay. And, and then, then, yeah, later, like, Dylan and Kelly are just chilling, reading books or reading a news or whatever, and Kelly's like, oh, interesting. And Dylan's like, what? And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I disturbed you. It's like, what? No, no, you're not. Okay. You said that out loud for him to be like, what are you reading? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just, like, pictured her 
not actually reading, I think it was called like Psychology Tomorrow instead of Psychology Today. (laughs) But I just picture her Psychology 101 book being inside the magazine, open to the page of like the definition of codependency. And her just being like, I learned about this new thing in this um, article that I'm reading right now about how we can be independent people, but still in a relationship together. But I'm how gonna, crazy. And I'm going to frame it on divorce because we understand that. <laughs> oh, my God. I honestly, all I wrote for that was like, Kelly and Dylan are going to try and be together again. Like, I didn't write down anything else because it's just like. I don't I really to- go ahead. I just I don't totally see this like codependence like we can lead our own lives and then yeah framing it with divorce. I just like yeah. I didn't care. I mean on the one hand, I think it's to show that every time Dylan gets mad or like jealous or possessive, Kelly's there to remind him, "Hey man, we agreed on this. Like we are going to not see each other all the time and still bang basically." And then I think the whole like children of divorce, um, what you call it, analogy was more, they've been really shoving down our throats that Kelly is a psych major, or at least she's into psych. So they're like, oh, this would make sense. We'll just throw it in right here. Which they, they could have just done with her being like, hey codependency versus like independence you work better in an independent relationship right i don't know whatever that's all that happened i guess kelly and dylan are together again mm-hmm. yay <laughs> right Delhi like, lives <laughs> cool i guess i don't i don't care yeah all right what happened to somebody else Jesse visits Andrea and Grandma Rose for Hanukkah. He gives Andrea a baseball glove so they can play together with his friends. He walks her to her door and kisses her goodnight. Dan watches them from his door like a creepy stalker. Jesse and Andrea hang out again and they really seem to be getting along. Jesse introduces Andrea to his mom and his uncle and his cousin and buys her a burrito. Jesse invites Andrea to his apartment in Westwood. Andrea's like, yeah, I'll go there. Then when she gets back to her dorm, Andrea realizes that all Dan knows is stand in hallway and be racist. So many thoughts on Dan, but we should go in order. (laughs) So many thoughts on Dan. Okay, so first of all, I don't know if we've talked about this the other two times that Jesse showed up, but I looked him up on IMDb, and that actor is one year older than Andrea. (gasps) Oh, They're perfect for each other. I know. (laughs) I was like, I forget everything else. This is the most important thing. I mean, to be fair, in that first scene, like, first of all, Jesse met Grandma Rose. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. That was fast, but a big deal. Also, I was like, they look like Jim and Cindy here. (laughs) I, I wrote, I was, Andrea looks like she is 40 in that suit with that hair. Yes. Like, they look their age. But, like, it was so cute that they got, like, real dressed up to go to Hanukkah and, like, the cross-cultural stuff happening where she was like, you got to have the latkes. And he's like, Mm -hmm. now I'm going to give you burritos. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, they're leaning into their own culture, which is wonderful because they don't have to, like, dance around it or hide it or make any excuse for it or whatever. They're just, like, sharing it with each other, which is really nice. (laughs) And then there's Waspy Dan, who's just down the hallway staring. 
like a freaking weirdo and a creep and that wasn't even the worst thing Dan did this episode. I feel like if she had brought him to meet Grandma Rose and tried to feed him latkes, he would just be like, no, I don't like these. Yeah. Like, it's fried potatoes. You like these. They're french fries. No, I don't like these. He would find some reason to, like, dislike them, even if he thought they were the most delicious thing on the planet. No, like, it just makes me think of, you know, I've had several coworkers over the years who have little kids that, like, they like french fries, but they won't eat mashed potatoes. Right. And they're just like, I'm going to make french fries, and then I'm going to mash them up so that they're mashed potatoes. You can see that they're the same thing, and they're like, no, I don't like mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. It's such a very, like, child thing to do. No, I, I just, like, I, I'm sure that's what Dan would do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess the only time we see Andrea this episode is when she's with Jesse, right? Because the next time is when he gives her the right, white rose and then mm-hmm. recites a poem called The White Rose to Which- her. Besides the poem, do we know what a white rose means? Like, because I know, like, yellow roses means friendship Mm -hmm. and other things. But I didn't know if – because I literally, like – I mean, the only significance that I obviously know off the top of my head is that Jesse – like, so he could say his little white rose poem. But I was like, Jesse gets a white rose for Andrea for some reason. Purity, innocence, and youthfulness. Wow. Oh. That ain't well, Andrea. Wait, that totally makes sense because of Jane the Virgin. Oh, yeah. Should have known that. But yeah, like Jesse hands her this rose. He recites this poem in Spanish. Um, they're just being like all cutesy and lovey-dovey. And then, yeah, he is literally like – I think he orchestrated that they were going to be on this street when his family showed up so that he could just be like, Andrea, meet my entire family. They all work on this trip together. Oh, yeah. The only thing that bothered me about that part, because I loved how enthusiastic he was and how excited he was for Andrea to meet his family, but he calls her his friend. And I was like, are we friend zoning here or is this just like, what's going on? Yeah, it was like, so it was really cute how much everything was, like, really cultural where he was like, I really want to show you the place I grew up. I never want to forget that this is my neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, just kind of, like, blindsiding her with his entire family. Yeah. And not being, like, very clearly, like, this is Andrea. She is my girlfriend or, you know, whatever. Or at least, yeah, like, at least I'm dating her or, like, you know, even if they hadn't really defined it, I feel like friend is a bit – hmm, I don't know the word, but – it's just not the right word it's a word that kind of like raises little alerts in your head when you're expecting girlfriend or this is the girl I'm seeing or something yeah exactly because then like she literally meets mom uncle and cousin Mm -hmm. at least yeah at least Um, and because see that's a good point I totally missed that part I was focused more on the part that he was like, you get to try my favorite burrito, but you can get it like white person style where it's not spicy. And she's like, no, no, I want it super spicy. And then I guess like the insinuation is they're going to eat this like giant super spicy food truck burrito and then go do it. And then they like woofed at each other. I I think there is a deleted scene somewhere that we don't know about and I am so sad. Like maybe they were at the park like after the softball game and they saw dogs and they were just like, woof. And then the other was like, woof. <laughs> and that's their thing now? I 
I just need it. I I need all the deleted scenes on these episodes. Yeah, that's true. I feel like we would get so much more context as to why these people are the way that they are. Well, it's like the only one that I really know about from this entire season is the one they cut out where like Andrea decides to switch to pre-med from journalism. Mm-hmm. And like I know there's a lot of confusion online of just like why is she a doctor? Right, right. Who knows? It's because of a deleted scene. Right. Yeah. There's something I, – I don't know why they woofed at each other. But anyway, <laughs> so they come back, um, and they're back at Andrea's dorm in her hallway. Just Andrea. Sorry, yes. He dropped her off, or she got home by herself because she's an independent woman who don't need no man. And she – Dan is there. And the first thing he does is call Jesse Jesus. Yeah, this is one of those times that I wrote down like five lines. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. He says, "How is Hanukkah with Jesus?" Yep. She corrects him to say it's Jesse, and then he makes this comment: "What could you two possibly talk about? How to mix the perfect margarita?" And I was like, "Okay, so you're not you're racist and you're classist. I don't know that we've totally seen the classist side of you true before now." And then for some reason, Andrea is just like, "For your information, Jesse's a law student." I was like, "That's none of Dan's business." Well, right, and you shouldn't have to justify anything about your bartender boyfriend. Like, it's not – like we talked about last episode is, or one of these episodes. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with being a bartender. So why are you, like, focusing on the law part of it? Because that's exactly what Jesse doesn't want you to do. <laughs> well, and, yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, he's being classist about it, and, like, I feel like this is where she should be, like – this is why I broke up with you because you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like it has nothing to do with what his job is versus yours. By the way, you're an RA. That's yeah. it right now. Like it's not like you even do anything. Yeah, you don't do anything. You ride your bike, you get sweaty, and you RA. But yeah, she like she confirms that he's a law student. He's like, oh, affirmative action. Right. Like it continued. Like it snowballed. Because then he says, like, when she's, like, half, you know, had, like, was fed up or whatever, she's, he says, adios, muchacha. Like, I don't even know what to say. The The other thing he did that wasn't even necessarily about Jesse, he does the patronizing, condescending, sexist thing where he says, I'm worried about you. No, you're not. Which, like... I was thinking about it while this scene happened. I was like, he has been an asshole from day one. Yeah. So, like, none of this is new. But, like, it just keeps pissing me off. I'm just like, why is he still here? Well, and he kept raising the bar. Like, at first, because I recall an episode where Mary and I were like, mm, kind of like Dan. Like, we both were just kind of like, I don't I'm, I don't hate him. So he was clearly a wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing because then he just kept leveling up in the worst way possible and getting more racist and and then like you said adding the classes part of it and he's terrible that's all he is just terrible full stop he sucks so much (laughs) i miss stewart (laughs) right who would have thought that we would miss this like crazy privileged insanely rich white boy that wanted to marry our dear brenda after four weeks or three weeks or however long, two weeks, who knows? <laughs> I still ship it. They should have got married. 
I still wonder where he is. I'm just like, so are we just done with him? Like, can we I just know. get a little like peek? How's Stuart doing? Is he okay? Yeah. I just want a little glimpse into his life. They said he could be a friend. Let him be a friend and be in yeah. the show. Seriously. Right? Like, Dan keeps showing up. Although I do have good news. This is the last time we see Dan. Oh, thank God. Good riddance. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, now that we're talking more, I'm like, I guess we like the boys that like kind of move a little too fast. Because like, I kind of like Jesse. Mm-hmm. The friend comment was a little weird, like surprising her with his family. A little weird. But like, I'm really digging the like you know, embracing each other's lives when she's felt like she's had to hide who she is for so long. Well, and I think there's a line that we haven't necessarily seen of, like, the Stuart level of moving fast where, like, you're trying to get married and then the Jesse moving fast and just the excitement to, like, share with each other, right? Like, the meet the parents thing is always a a hard thing especially in college because it's like you don't want to freak someone out and be too clingy but they're so clearly on the same page of clinginess and like wanting to I don't know invest in each other's lives that it like kind of works mm -hmm. it wouldn't with me but for them it works yeah and maybe that's it maybe like it works because like yeah he's already met grandma rose because that's the thing it's weird having to meet families in college because you have to go out of your way to do it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which totally. does that mean that Jesse's family – yeah, so Jesse's family is local. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, Andre is in overalls again. I noticed that too. I didn't write it down, but I I did notice it. She was also in that, like, baseball jersey or whatever, and, like, you couldn't necessarily tell that she was pregnant – but you could also tell that that wasn't normal fitting clothes. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember on the street, but I know anytime they were in her hallway, it was like boobs up. Yes, it was like exactly. What were we talking about? I don't know. Mary, <laughs> tell us about somebody else. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Steve is bummed out about Hell Week because he got caught breaking into Professor Randall's office. He has a meeting with the dean on Monday. Brandon tells Steve he's dumber than a plant. Steve asks Brandon to talk to Professor Randall on his behalf. He has a meeting with the kegs to figure out what to do about that thing. Ryan, who I assumed was the keg president of the week, tells Steve there's nothing keg can do to get him out of trouble without admitting they hazed him. So, sorry about it. John Sears gets or goes all doe-eyed and says he wishes there was something they could do. Ryan tells Steve to cover for his brothers. Also, get out. You're on probation. <laughs> Steve hears from Brandon that somebody set him up to get caught. He shows up at the keg house to find out who did it. John clarifies that Ryan is keg president Mike's last name. Also, he <laughs> says, nobody talk to Steve until I find Mike. Steve practically begs Keith to realize John was obviously the one who told on him. I, I wrote down very specifically who everyone's names was so I could bring it to this episode and be like, okay, we know who Mike Ryan is, we know who Keith is, and we know who John Sears is. Yep. Thank and God yeah. we finally know who they are. For like the longest time this episode, I was so confused about 
John Sears. I was like, is he just not shitty today? Yeah. Yeah. It felt very weird. Like, yeah. So anyway, in the beginning, (laughs) Brandon returns and like reconnects with Nat. And apparently everybody's interested in Emily Valentine. But that's besides the point. Steve's there. And I was like, okay, so he's not arrested? Because I thought, you know, it was implied that he was arrested or whatever, detained or something from last episode. But then Steve is talking to Brandon about breaking into his office, and he has to go see the dean, yada, yada, yada. So Brandon, because he sucks most of the time, he always sucks and then has a chance to redeem himself as a friend. I hate it. It, I hate it. But... So he starts, like, chastising Steve about joining a fraternity in the first place. Steve, for some reason, protects his fraternity. Yeah, it's a thing. But then Brandon, and this is kind of an LOL because I accidentally wrote down the wrong thing. (laughs) So what the quote actually was is Brandon said, it's getting, I'm getting pretty tired having a friend who always gets in trouble. (laughs) But what I wrote was, I'm getting pretty tired having a Brandon who always gets in trouble. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be the most amazing, like, slip to actually happen where Steve is just like, do we need to unpack something? Yeah. Yeah. I read it. I reread it earlier when you guys were talking about how many quotes you wrote down. And I was like, well, that's one of mine. And oops. (laughs) No, this whole. Okay. I have. My first thought about this scene, I guess, like, uh, I can't remember his first name, but the guy who plays Nat, I guess there's something in his contract that he just has to be in episodes and, like, inquire. He's, like, the busybody neighbor from down the street in, like, every 50s, 60s sitcom. Seriously, like, every time he shows up and he, like, wants to talk about something, but, like, Brandon is on his way into the scene to talk to Steve. I just need someone to be like, now I don't have time for this. Yeah, like, not now, Nat. Like, that needs to be, like, a catchphrase or something. (laughs) Yeah, like, I have nothing against Nat, but he just, like, keeps just popping his head into scenes. Like, it was very much like um, Jordan Bonner, like, popping into the peach pit to say, like, I'm going to Yale. Bye. (laughs) It's like, oh, hey, guys. Just want to know I'm still here, and uh, now I'm going to Yale. (laughs) There's just no purpose. Like, we already knew Steve was sad. So Nat being like, Steve's real sad over there. Go talk to him. Like, yes, Brandon came here to talk to Steve. Exactly. Exactly. And then, yeah, like, he just keeps wanting to stand up for his fraternity. And I was just like, but (sighs) why? I know. Because it's like. Based on last episode and before that, he was, like, very mad at his brothers, in particular John and then who we now know as Keith. But, so I can, I guess I can understand, like, taking up for fraternity in general, but not the specific brothers. But Brandon was attacking the brothers, not the fraternity, until I guess he was also attacking the fraternity, so maybe that's what got Papa Bear Steve to rear up. I don't know. I don't know. Like the only other thing I noted other than the quote was that Steve keeps calling him Brando. Mm-hmm. And I was like, every time I was just like, well, I guess this is just what I call Brandon now because I like it. <laughs> and then, yeah, like he asks Brandon, Brando, 
ask Professor Randall not to press charges. I was like, oh my god, this is this is such white privilege, Steve. Like, well, this you is have what to we know talked what about. Yeah, we talked about this. We're like, we know what's gonna happen. He's gonna somehow weasel his way out of it because of his white boy privilege. Yeah, and white knight Brandon is gonna come to his rescue, even though like he does not deserve it. No, because he's like full on shitting on Steve and his life choices and his friends or his brothers. I won't say friends, his brothers. Yeah. No, I will say the next time that they're in the peach pit and Brandon apologizes for his behavior, I was in shock. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, So the next thing I just want to mention, because it's one of my like quote options and neither like Steve and Brandon were not even in this scene, but it was when Donna and Kelly are like brushing their hair in the mirror and I don't remember. I think Kelly says it to Donna and then Donna responds. They go, it's too bad Andrea and Steve can't make it. Yeah, they're tied up. And I was just like, together? <laughs> Sexually? If only. Like, we were just talking about Stondria earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, and also this episode is, like, sex-themed pretty much. And, like, also insinuating that Steve could be, like, in handcuffs too for stealing the ball or whatever so it's like too many meetings or meanings but then yeah could they be together if only Stondria we still believe lives I believe I don't know if you guys oh I I still like kind of hope in there I mean I have nothing against Jesse so like I can't be like I'd rather have Stondria over Jondria and Dressy no. Ooh, I kind of like Andressy. <laughs> I'm just so tired of always being Brondria, Stondria. Right. Because I think I, I even like said in my head earlier, Dondria or like Dandria, <laughs> just to make uh, it a little more Dan. I was like, yeah, I guess it could either be like Andressy or like Andressy. <laughs> <laughs> I really like saying it with the accent of Andressy. 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 <laughs> it does oh that's good. It needs like a very deep, like baritone voice. <laughs> Are you saying I have a baritone voice? No, I'm saying that's what I want. <laughs> I need someone with a like real good deep voice. I need like James Earl Jones to show up and just be like Andressy. Yes. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> but Oh man. Anyway. So like Steve had mentioned to Brandon at the Peach Pit, the next place that he goes is to Keg House so that they can have this meeting to talk about the consequences for him. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I was just so furious about this whole scene of them being like, well, we can't stand up for you because then the university is going to know that we're hazing and we're not allowed to be hazing. So you're on your own. And then he kept standing up for them. Yeah, that's what was crazy to me. It's like, I understand that like, there's a difference in a pledge versus a like you have to become you you're a pledge before you can fully be a brother but it's like the whole idea of a fraternity is that your brothers have your back not that you always have your brother's back right it's like Mm -hmm. yes that happens but doesn't it go both ways isn't this a two-way street but apparently not and so like steve has to be the one to go down with the ship and the brothers won't take the fall or protect him at all yeah And I guess this idea of just like, well, after you take the fall for it and everything flushes out, like if, I guess if you're still in school, you can be in keg. Like that's kind of what I got out of this. Yeah. Pretty much like you do this for us and you survive 
then we know, I guess, we're now convinced that your loyalty is for real and will officially make you a brother, even though he's probably paid all of his dues and all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, he went through so much. And then, like, yeah, this is when John Sears first, like, stands up for him and calls him a stud. And I feel like that should have been my, like, first alarm of just, like, oh, this is John Sears' fault. Right. Like, he is mm-hmm. also going to get away with it, but this is his fault. He mm-hmm. would not do this. Stupid John. I even said, ew, when John called him a stud. I was like, why does this make me uncomfortable? Oh, because, like, he even had his hair slicked back, so he, like, looked kind of greasy. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I don't like that. Like, I, I really didn't like that he didn't come off super assholey for the whole episode because it was just jarring. I was like, yeah. I know he's an asshole. What is happening? Right. Very true. Very true. Because, yeah, Ugh. the next time we see all them again, I think is at the car wash, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I have next. Yeah. And then John Sears sprays Kelly and Dylan. It starts the water fight. And then poor little baby Steve, like, running in like, I want to play too. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, picks up this completely full bucket. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm going to throw this on the first person I see. And it was Leslie. And, but, like, as he was doing it, I guess the president was like, ceasefire, Steve, ceasefire. <laughs> I just felt so bad. They were I just know. like, Steve, you can't play with us. You have yeah, to go it, home now. It literally felt like his mom had just called him in for dinner and all his other friends got to play for, like, another hour. <laughs> I know. Like, he literally just, like, walks away silently, doesn't say goodbye to anybody. Oh, baby Steve. Poor guy. I mean, he shouldn't have been stealing stuff. But True. But, I mean, the next thing we find out from Brandon, so, like, we'll kind of get there when we get there with Brandon's thing, is that Steve got set up. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody tipped off the campus police that he was going to be there that night stealing that stuff from Randall's office. Right. And they decide to, like – tag team solve this mystery which is so adorable sanders and brando private eye (laughs) branders branders sando (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like the idea of a character named sando branders if you were doing like a fanfic sando branders that's amazing that's going to be like the Burt Macklin FBI <laughs> for this. Sando Branders, FBI. <laughs> He's on the case. Yeah, so Stephen Brandon's new crime-fighting, <laughs> private-investigating team. <laughs> Whenever they get into their mess-arounds, this is what they're called. <laughs> A classic bra- what it, Sando Branders mess-around. <laughs> yeah. So what they do... Yeah, Brandon ends up telling Steve that he was set up, so then Steve pops over to the keg house in a v-neck, I might add. (laughs) He looked very out of place. (laughs) Like, also, did you notice on the wall behind the pool table, someone has just, like, scratched onto the wall, don't sit on the pool table? No. Like, it it wasn't a sign. It was just written on the wall. Oh, my gosh. It's just like, you guys are so gross. God, boys, man. Piece of paper. That's it. Jesus. But yeah, he comes in and is just like, hey, so 
sounds like I got set up. And John Sears <laughs> literally just says, like, nobody talk to him while I go get Mike Ryan. Like, like what is that going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I just – I also kind of love the idea that all of the other brothers would just be like, I mean, I wasn't talking to him anyway. Yeah, I'm over here <laughs> in an intense pool game. Right? <laughs> Now, I kind of wish this got, like, a little more wrapped up in this episode of, like, mm-hmm. yeah, Mike finding out about John Sears and John Sears getting in trouble, and then we'd never have to see John Sears again. True. True. Good point. But no, but, it just, like, kind of ends with us not really knowing. I mean, we yeah. know, but, like, it's not apparent. No, I'll be, I'll be interested to see, like, how this ends up playing out because, yeah, I mean, Steve gets away with it. So mm-hmm. technically they could just drop the keg house and never again. Just like right. have a throwaway line of like, oh yeah, I'm not in that anymore. Mm-hmm. Just fuck those guys. <laughs> Seriously. Cause yeah, I mean, that's uh, the last time we see Steve. He doesn't even get yes. to wrap up his own storyline. Brandon does it. Right. Which, yeah, let's yeah. We have to transition to Brandon because he does some interesting things this episode. I have so many opinions. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, right. Because Mary has to tell us what happens. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Do that thing you do. Brandon's back in town and everyone wants to know how Emily is. She's good, okay? He doesn't (laughs) want to talk about it. He's really just sad that another woman has chosen her dreams over him. And this time in France, the one place Brandon can never go. (laughs) He just knows there's a Dean Cain waiting for her there. Brandon tells Brenda he really loves Emily. Brenda smiles and does a little cough. Brenda is me. (laughs) (laughs) so brandon is a grumpy boy because emily's in france Deshaun got a b plus without working for it and his best buddy steve is in trouble for breaking and entering again brandon (laughs) talks to Deshaun and gives him a hard time for just accepting a b plus without doing any work Deshaun says he values brandon's friendship brandon says Deshaun is full of shit Deshaun is like you should be my tutor again next semester Brandon runs into Lucinda in Professor Randall's office. Lucinda tells Brandon that the campus police were tipped off about the break-in. Steve says Brandon is his real brother, not those fuckos at Keg House. Brandon accosts Professor Randall on a Sunday to beg him to drop the charges against Steve, except Professor Randall thinks Brandon banged his wife. Brandon says, no, I'm a good boy. I said no once I found out she was your wife. But Professor Randall doesn't believe him. To prove he's a good boy, Brandon blackmails Professor Randall with the fact that he just gave Deshaun a B plus. Apparently it works. God, Brandon. I think Barry said it best in her text message of like, Brandon is being extra Brandon this week. Yeah, like he, like Brandon outbranded himself this episode. (laughs) I almost feel like he was just like, I was gone last week, so I have to extra Brandon it up. Yeah, it's like he wasn't around to... Brandon everything and so he had to go extra full on Brandon to continue the cycle of constant Brandoning (laughs) like the first like I swear the first like five times we see Brandon is just everyone being like so how's Emily Valentine he's just like I don't want to talk about it if I wanted to talk about it I would have told you about it but I didn't want to talk about it so I'm not going to talk about it 
Like, bro, you were gone for a week. What do you expect? Like, yeah, people are going to ask about it. Yeah, you dropped everything and missed class. So they you don't Emily Valentine. You don't get to not talk about it. Yeah, I, like these are all your best friends. And then he's just like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Like it would make sense to me if Jim and Cindy said that and he was just like, mom, dad, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, like totally. that would sense. make sense because it was all gross, them hanging out. So like Jim and Cindy <laughs> don't want to hear that mess. So, mm-hmm. but no, he just keeps dodging it because like, Dylan asks, Nat asks, Steve asks. Like, he dodges it three times in the first, like, ten minutes of this episode. Yeah, and then Brenda finally asks, and so that's when he tells her about France. And I, like, they are cute with their little twin talk, but it was just still, like, I I do kind of wish when he said France that Brenda was just like, France, huh? Yeah. You lost another one to France? (laughs) That damn country gets you every time. God, that would have been hilarious. I wish that was like, because it is kind of a running thing, but only when Brandon says it. So I was really hoping that she would be in on it too. Right? Like that would just have made me laugh so hard. Mm -hmm. But like, that's not the first time that we see Brandon. I think the first time we see him is when we find out Deshaun got a B plus. Right? Well, oh, no, because... At the beach with Steve, and then he goes to campus and Correct. sees Dylan, yep. mm-hmm. which he he's complaining about Deshaun getting a B plus, but then Steve got a B plus. So I was like, is this really that hard of a test? Right, exactly, because he got an A plus. Like Brandon coasts; he doesn't really care. He's the boy in school that doesn't really study and still gets an A. And meanwhile, like Andrea is probably the one that has to put in a ton of effort and to get to earn that A. It's like. Anyway, I could go on about that because it frustrates me because I was a person that had to study a lot. But, yeah, so he gets an A plus and then complains that Deshaun and, likewise, Steve get a B plus. Yeah, I don't think he realizes he's being such a dick about Steve mm-hmm. when he's complaining about Deshaun. Yeah. And, like, I still keep getting mad about that. Like, yeah, Deshaun was blowing you off, but, like, you, I just feel like you clearly weren't trying that hard. Well, and <laughs> – to that point, it's like, shouldn't you be relieved that he got a B plus? Like, you could take credit for that, even if you didn't do it. Also, it was a take-home test. Right. Like, depending on how hard that test was, Deshaun legitimately could have gotten a B plus just by being able to use an index. Right. Exactly. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. But, and I, I don't get why he cares so much. I don't either. I think that's the thing. It's like you should be happy that he got a B plus because then you, quote unquote, did your job so you can move on. Yeah. I I kind of feel like if Randall was just going to give Deshaun a grade, maybe he should have gone with like a C. But sure. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Like the bare minimum to remain eligible or something. Yeah. Like whatever that Mendoza line was. Mm-hmm. Like we had a whole episode about it and then you just like messed with the curve to give him a B plus. Like, right. Also, what if he graded on a curve and bumped Steve up or something? There there are a lot of things going on here. And I just I think it's just because like Brandon should not be getting mad about this B plus. Like just move on with your life. Well and especially because like I I'm pretty sure the next time we see Brandon after the twin talk, I think. Yeah, because they have the twin talk 
that night while they're getting ready to go to David and Donna's anniversary dinner. Right. Okay. So then we see Brandon at the dinner, but like that's more David and Donna. So we'll talk about him there. But then kind of the next Brandon side of the or plot line is when Brandon approaches Deshaun about his B plus, I guess. And Deshaun apologizes to him for being a lazy student or whatever. This No, this was so much because, like, yeah, he goes to Deshaun and Deshaun is like, oh, I promise I didn't tell Professor Randall about you and Lucinda. Mm-hmm. And then Brandon accuses him of, like, being handed his grade and using Brandon. And Deshaun is just like, I mean, I kind of did, but you don't live in my world. You don't understand, like, trying to be a professional basketball player right and (laughs) then brandon like says it's oh it's a black thing yeah he says he says don't get all racial on me so then deshaun yeah deshaun goes it's not a black or white thing it's a green thing in which he means money because he wants to make it to the nba to get paid (laughs) my favorite part was brandon being like you missed out on a whole semester of sociology 101 yeah well you know what you did miss Soch 101. And I think you would have liked it. Like, <laughs> who are you? Like, and I'm like, Brandon, you just missed a whole week of Soch 101. With Emily Valentine, who you don't want to talk about. So get off your dumb high horse and just focus on Stando Branders. <laughs> FBI private eye. <laughs> I just want Deshaun to push Brandon and just be like, shut up, nerd. <laughs> yes. Or just like flick him on the head or something really condescending. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I like I very much value education. I think it's really important. And especially if you're going to be in like a career where if you, you know, tear your ACL, you could literally lose the career and have nothing. But like Deshaun has his priorities straight. Like he knows what he wants to focus on. Mm-hmm. And Brandon is just pissy that it's not what Brandon wants Deshaun to do. Right. And it's like, Brandon, again, what you said earlier, why do you care? And like, that's what I was trying to think of this whole time. I was like, if Deshaun's grades affect Brandon's grades, mm-hmm. I get it. But I don't think they do. They don't affect his grades. They don't affect any kind of like job. They don't affect literally anything because literally Randall just asked him to like tutor him for this one class. And then when he failed, nothing happened. Exactly. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel bad and I don't think anybody should just be handed grades. And I think, you know, you are depriving people of their education and whatnot. But like Brandon is not the one that needs to stand up and be like, this is wrong. No, no. Because he's only doing it because it affects him, not because he actually cares about Deshaun. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. And to continue his like pissy mood, Lucinda is in Professor Randall's office and Brandon is there and he's like all saucy. Oh. Because he hates her. Oh my gosh. I don't remember what she says to him where she is just, oh, she's telling him that she went to Deshaun and was like, there's nothing going on between us. So you owe me a favor, Brandon. And he's like, what do you want me to do? Have a quickie on the desk? Just like, Which, gross. <laughs> right? That's like his, anyway. 
the one thing I did love is that as much as Brandon was an asshole, Lucinda gave it right back. Like Lucinda at one point was like, so you can go back to your, to living your square little existence. And I was like, yes, call him out for being white bread Brandon. Right? <laughs> like, I definitely think she was just like, God, this was such a boring semester and I blame you for it. Yeah, she could have had so many other adventures, but yet because she chose stupid Brandon Walsh, especially when he's full Brandon, ugh, poor girl. I know, she, <laughs> she's never seen him go, like, full Brandon. <laughs> no. Like, he freaked out when he spilled wine all over their wedding pictures, but, like, mm-hmm. that was not full Brandon. That was not, no. like, I'm better than you. That was just, like, whoa, self-righteous Brandon. Not self-righteous and, like, condescending, high horse. Yeah. But then Lucinda, like, credit to her for taking the high road here and, like, revealing to Brandon that the cops were um, given an anonymous tip. So I love how she was, like, I didn't write it down, but she was just, like, um, Corey's little ball or precious ball was never in jeopardy or something like that. Yeah. And I just thought that was funny. No, like, she's a pain in the ass. Like, I hated her, like, sexually harassing Brandon for the entire time Mm -hmm. she was here and lying to him about this, like, open relationship that clearly did not exist. Right. But, like, I don't know. This is the last we see of her. And she's just like, no, I took care of Deshaun for you. Here's some information about your little friend. And, like, bye. Right, like this is what you do when you're grown, is you take care of your shit. Because, yeah, the next next thing we see is Brandon talking to Steve when Steve is just like, I'm tired of you. You were like a dick to me earlier. And -hmm. Brandon is finally like, I'm going to go talk to Professor Randall and see if I can get him to drop the charges against you. Yeah, which – Obviously, we knew it was coming. But then at the end of that little scene, why did Brandon be like, want a headbutt? Did you hear him say that? He was like, should we headbutt or something like that? And Steve's like, no. <laughs> I'm really sad I missed that part because that just makes me think of my cat. I just be like, we're, we're good? Do you love me again? Head That's butt? what it seems like. It's like, we should love tap now, right? Like, <laughs> But like men with our heads. Yeah. God. Uh, Speaking of men, the next time we see Brandon, Jim is there. And I didn't write anything down. I was just like, scene with Jim. It literally was so pointless. It was so pointless. Jim was complaining about the Santa Anas and Brandon's like, I'm going to go to campus. Bye. And Jim's like, are you in trouble? And he's like, me? Trouble? Yeah. And then leaves. (laughs) And Jim was just like, no, okay, he's in trouble. And yeah. then didn't do anything. And I was like, I mean, I guess that's on brand for Jim. Yeah, it is on Brandon for Jim. On Brando. <laughs> yeah. On Brando for Jimbo. Oh, love it. Uh. And then, and yeah. then the very end scene, which I got to be honest, I kind of half paid attention to this one. So I'll let you take that one. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was just a lot of yelling back and forth. Like I had to make myself take notes for this because Brandon – he goes to the gym first, I guess, and then camps out outside Professor Randall's office to start being like, look, it's my buddy, Steve. 
It was just a prank. He was going to bring the ball back. And then Professor Randall's like, well, you should have gotten my other ball from blah, 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 who is an intimidator. What do you know about playing the game within the game? And then he is like, I know you've been fucking my wife. And Brandon's just like, I haven't been fucking your wife because I know she's your wife. Mm-hmm. And then they just get all pissy back and forth until Brandon's finally just like, I'm just going to tell the NCAA what you did. Which seems pretty ballsy. Because it's like, who would believe him? Which Randall even says. He's like, you have no proof. And all yeah. I just wanted to be like was, well, they could just make Deshaun take the test again. Right. True. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I guess Brandon saying he's going to do it is enough to take care of everything. Like, we, we really don't actually see payoff to any of this stuff. No, which this either means we're not going back to the storyline and this is the resolution or this is going to be something that happens with Brandon's storyline the entire rest of the season. <laughs> I'm really curious because, like, we're in spring semester now, so... Does he have Professor Randall anymore? Yet to be determined. Yeah, because we're about to come up on the Christmas episode. So that means oh, a new God. semester is coming. That's so, yeah. What's I'm the sitting, point? I'm sitting here like, it's January in real life. So it's January. Oh. <laughs> I know. I'm still- well, but no, technically, you're right. Because like, we're ending. Because clearly that test was like, maybe the version of finals. Unless we like, there is finals next episode. But it's it's inching closer because we're like people have said it's december so yeah i'm still confused like they called them midterms so maybe they do full year of classes oh they could but i don't know because yeah like or they I could went- do quarters okay but that wouldn't really make sense though to have a midterm in a quarter i don't know i didn't have quarters yeah so, like, yeah, I don't know if you do a midterm or if because you only have, like, six weeks, you just have a final. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to talk about school. I don't miss school. Yeah. yeah. But, so yeah. Then, go ahead. I, no, you go ahead. I have nothing else about Brandon. Oh, me neither. I was going to say, so then what's our last bit with the last characters? What? My God. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> Not Howard Stern is in Donna's dream, which I guess could be classified as a sex dream since the word sex is written on literally everything. Also, she's wearing the tomato dress again. I know. Donna's Donna's landlord in a wig wants to know why she's still a virgin. Donna wakes... Wait, nope, that's not right. (laughs) David wakes Donna up with flowers to wish her a happy anniversary. Two years, my lord. The weather is hot and windy, and the wind gives David boners, apparently. The the gang are going to Chinatown to celebrate Donna and David's anniversary. The only ones who can't come are Andrea and Steve. After dinner, Brandon teaches the group to add in bed to the end of their fortune cookie fortunes. This is an especially good idea for this group in particular, where one of the people at the table has fucked two of the people at the table, (laughs) and the other two people at the table are pointedly not fucking. God, Brandon, read the room. (laughs) Donna and David make wishes in the fountain. Donna's coin lands in love, and David's lands in luck. Brandon makes it awkward again by saying something to David about getting lucky tonight. David once again makes it clear that he hates that Donna will not sleep with him. 
Donna wants to end the night by going to the Christmas dance at West Bev to relive the night she decided she likes David for some reason. Nobody else wants to go because they're not in high school anymore. Donna is all sneezy from allergies when she and David get home. David gets irritated because she wants to take an antihistamine and those make her sleepy and he wants to do sex at her. (laughs) He's sad because the boys told him he could. Donna has that dream again, except now her parents and David are there. This time, David's all like, I'll marry you if you have sex with me. And her parents are all, you have our blessing to do the wild thing with David. Donna records PSAs with David instead of going to the sorority car wash. She tells David she's grateful that he stayed with her for two years, even though she won't have sex with him. David says that last night was almost the perfect anniversary. Donna, for some reason, says maybe it's time we banged. David lights candles all over the place. He wants to make sure their first time is perfect. They start to get down to it, and then the doorbell rings. David answers the door in his little panties, and guess what? It's the Martins. (laughs) Donna comes clean to her parents about David living with her. Predictably, they're angry at her for lying to them. (laughs) The next day, Dr. Martin says Donna can make her own decisions now that she has her own life away from them. Felice says she isn't ashamed of Donna and wants to be able to trust her again. Donna tells David that her parents are going to keep letting them live together, but she also promised them that she wouldn't have sex with him and she won't break their trust again. Donna is sure that everything is going to be okay. David's face says otherwise. Oh. My God. This intro, man. Okay, so I had to, like, I saw it in the wiki afterwards. Apparently the song that was supposed to be playing in this scene was Hey Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. I'm not familiar. Um, If you heard it, you'd know I'm not going to sing it because the only words I know are Hey Jealousy. So (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um. I'll listen to it later. Yeah, you'll have to look it up. But I do feel like there are some lyrics about sex. I really should have looked this up earlier. Well, this song that they actually use, like, it still worked. It really did. That's why when I saw that it was supposed to be the Gin Blossoms, I was like, I feel like I want to hear it with that song because I feel like this Mm -hmm. was a good replacement. Yeah. But I will say this storyline is where I wrote the most things. Because I literally started writing everything. I was like, she's in the tomato dress. I love her so much. And then I was like, this is going to be an entire episode of David pressuring Donna into having sex with him so badly that she's Mm -hmm. dreaming about it. Well, yeah. And what makes it worse is that, like Mary said, Brandon pressures her too. Everyone, like... My The first quote I wrote down is when not Howard Stern says, why are you still a virgin? And she goes, that's none of your business. And I was like, that's fucking right. Yeah. It's tell that to everybody else. Business. Exactly. Like the only one who doesn't really – well, we don't see who all truly pressures her and doesn't. But the person that Donna confides in, which is Kelly, doesn't pressure her. She's just like, yeah, okay, you're not having sex. That's fine. I don't care. You do you, girl. Which like – oh, my gosh. I – Every time we do these episodes, I read, like, a couple of blog recaps of mm-hmm. the show because I'm kind of curious of, like, how other people think of it. And there's one person that just, like, hates Andrea, and I hate reading her blog, but oh, she's very in-depth, and it helps me see if I, like, missed anything. Sure. But everything that I read was just, like, Donna needs to get over herself. Poor David. Why won't she sleep with him? 
And I was like, really? What is happening? Like, I know that the people who write the blogs are women and the people that were leaving these comments had female usernames. And this is not like from 1993. I'm not that good at internet. (laughs) This is from like the last 10 years. And people are just like, why won't she just get over herself and have sex with him? I was like, she doesn't have to do anything. No, she doesn't. And I wonder, because it is like, we're coming at it from the perspective of Donna should feel empowered to have made her decision one way or the other and not be criticized for it or not be pressured the other way or whatever. I guess I can see other people if they were coming at it from the other side where it's like Donna should do it because it is empowering and she should feel like she's comfortable, like, in her own skin like don't worry about your parents or like whatever other stigma but I don't understand where people are coming from when they're yeah when they're approaching it from the David perspective because no person man or woman should give in to another person when it comes to sex like for nothing but also especially for something as major as sex no no one is entitled to your body except for you exactly And like, oh, it just, it made me so mad because the very next thing you see is David waking her up with French tulips because they're her favorite for their anniversary. But then he's just like all up on her neck and like, oh, the, the winds, they're my whatever. And just like very clearly like, let's have sex right now. And it just, he never stops. He never turns off. We never see them have a relationship where he is not giving her shit for not having sex with him. That's true. I think it would help things. All he does is yell at her. Yeah. Or like get frustrated with her not wanting to do it. And it's like, I think this, maybe I would feel a little bit more sympathetic for David if we actually did see them having a real legit relationship outside of this. Because it sounds like David's only with her to eventually have sex with her. Yeah, I mean, like, he says later, I want us both to share the intimacy of a real relationship. So that makes me think in your mind, you don't think you're in a real relationship with her because you're not having sex. Right. So what, you don't respect her? I don't, like... And if it's such a deal breaker for you, break up with her. That's the thing. Like, he's treating her like such garbage. I just don't get it from that perspective. It's like... If you're not getting what you want, because I fully, I totally understand David wanting to have sex with his girlfriend. I'm not trying to say David shouldn't want that. We're trying to say, like, David shouldn't pressure her if she clearly doesn't want to and isn't ready. Oh, yeah. But, David, if that's a deal breaker for you, don't be with Donna. Like, as much as we love Donna and want her happiness, like, David shouldn't be with her. I would rather her be hurt temporarily by him breaking up with her because she won't have sex with him than him spend 60 episodes essentially two Mm -hmm. years pressuring her into having sex with him right like it never stops it just never stops and it doesn't stop with anybody because yeah Mm -hmm. then they get to the dinner and Brandon (laughs) just God, I was dying when he was like, I learned this great game at a dim sum restaurant in San Francisco. You add two words to the end of your fortune. In bed. And like the way he says it, he's like, 
in bed. It's like, bro, just say in bed. And they like, all yell it. Yeah. It's like they're doing the penis game the wrong way. <laughs> and then I wrote down every single person's quote or every single person's uh, fortune. I did not write down the responses, but they're pretty obvious because like mm-hmm. – um. Brenda's is you can obtain any goal you choose in bed. And then she's just like, well, you should talk to Stuart Carson. <laughs> and then Dylan's is you have the power to influence many people in bread, which, yeah, read the room, Brandon. He's had sex with two of the people at this table. <laughs> exactly. Um, you'll be starting on a new adventure in bed. And then they're like, oh, man, good for silver. I was like, yeah, good for Donna. There's if two people. Wants it. Yeah. Like, ugh. And then, like, they're leaving the restaurant, again, being like, hey, man, you're going to get lucky tonight since you hit the luck thing with your coin. Mm-hmm. Which is annoying. And also, yeah, Brandon, read the fucking room, man. Like, and then, oh, did you guys catch this? This is Brandon out branding himself again. Brandon calls Donna baby. Oh, I missed that. It's like when they're saying goodbye, he goes, bye, baby. And I'm like... I I totally missed that. The only thing I clocked when they said goodbye was David being condescending and being like, say goodnight, Donna. And she said, goodnight, Donna. <laughs> yeah. I love her. I love her. It's impossible to, like, not love her. I know. I just – such an angel. She's just the best. Like, she takes everything – she's so breezy. Yeah. Like, her being like, it would be so fun to go back to high school. And everyone's like, no, it wouldn't. And she's still just like, it's okay. great. <laughs> but also, you guys can't go back to high yeah, school. Yeah, don't do that. That's, don't do that. That's not cool. Like, no. that's weird. It's so weird. But then, yeah, unfortunately, like, in whether or not it's true, doesn't matter. But Donna's sneezing a bunch. She has allergies. She wants to take medicine. And then David just, like, doesn't want her to. I The idea that he is just, like, don't take your cold medicine and be miserable sneezing so that I can have sex with you. Like, that's the thing. He's constantly being so selfish. She is miserable. Let her take the antihistamines. He's so desperate. Like, bruh, like, you're torturing yourself at this point. Like, Donna is not doing anything but being sweet and trying to tell you, like, this is not what I want. And instead, he's, like, deciding to stay and whatever. Whatever, David. I know. Like, she was so happy after this whole night, which I still think is really weird that they had a big dinner with all of their friends and everyone gave them gifts. Yeah, it was so weird. The American (laughs) Gothic poster. I was just sitting there. I was like, I have never given anyone an anniversary gift who's not my parents. Yeah. And especially not a dating anniversary. I don't even give my parents anniversary gifts. Like I, I send don't... flowers. My mom's my mom's love language is gifts. Ah, makes sense. See if my is my mom's nah. She's a words of affirmation kind of gal. That's where I get it from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. But no, like I don't even I couldn't even tell you when my parents' anniversary is. It's November? <laughs> like I don't even know. But But yeah, Donna takes the antihistamines and gets in bed. And now she's having a dream where, yeah, it's Howard Stern's guests are her parents. And then David is in the hot seat for trying to get into Donna's pants. Hot pants, David Silver. 
Oh my God. And like, again, I wrote down so much of what he said because he said, I just want us both to share the intimacy of a real relationship. Then I think that's when Dr. Martin's just like, well, I'm a doctor, so I don't believe you, but I leave the parenting to my wife, (laughs) which has its own issues that I can't even go into. No. But then Felice goes, I don't believe in the motives of young men who wear earrings. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my bad. I can take this he's out. Like, what earring? I don't have an earring. <laughs> and then I was like, what is this episode? Because then David's like, well, I like her body and her brain. And I promise if I can have sex with her, I'll marry her. The idea that Donna is dreaming this and then wakes up the next morning and I guess just like conflates her dream with reality and is just Mm -hmm. like, well, he'll definitely marry me if I have sex with him. Not that they're 18 and 17. Right. And so it's like, because there's this weird promise that I made in my head that will definitely (laughs) come true. Sex is fine now. That like she made to herself. Right. (laughs) On behalf of these other people, which like – No one has any, you know, hold over your body except yourself. So, like, her making these promises to herself, like, kind of gets a little weird. Mm -hmm. But, like, what kind of unhealthy relationship do you have with, like, your parents and with sex that you're having a dream where your mother has to explicitly say, I give you permission to have sex with this boy? Um, Do the wild thing. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's, like, the one quote I didn't write down. It was so jarring to me. I had to write it down. I was like, did – can you imagine your own mother being like, yeah, go do the wild thing with your boyfriend? No, I really can't. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Like, I I think if I ever heard my mother say the word sex, I might black out. I might panic more if she said the wild thing, though. (laughs) I don't think my mother knows those two words together. I choose to believe that. Oh, dear. But then, but yeah, so now Donna's all ready, like she's all fired up, and they're like recording PSAs. And David makes a bad joke during their PSA about drunk driving. And then Donna is like, You're sexy. Oh <laughs> my god, I, I wrote this down too because she says, No matter what I put you through, you always stay with me, you must love me, which is like, I feel like classic. A- abuse language like I'm putting you through something like he's self-deprecating yeah but like and then he says well after what happened last night and the fact that I'm still here today proves it which for a person and I'm referring to myself who has oodles of insecurities if Nate ever said that to me I'd be like that just fired off about 12 of my insecurities all in one and I would never forget it. <laughs> and, they, and they act like this is normal. Right. She's the weird one for not having sex and she should feel bad about this. And like he's a saint for sticking with her. And then she makes a comment of like lately all the signs seem to be pointing in one direction. I was like that's because he is literally like in your ear while you're sleeping being like have sex with David. Mm-hmm. Like I would not be surprised if he's really sneaking into her room Mm-hmm. And whispering to her in her sleep, like putting, you know, headphones on her and he's recorded an entire cassette tape of you want to have sex with David. Right. Which, ugh. And that's it. That's the whole scene is just like them acknowledging that like she's a piece of shit for not having sex with him 
and then she's finally ready for it and he's just like gulp yeah and then they're gonna go like plan out having sex together which you know it's fine you can plan your time i'm not saying against that but like it's just every one of these scenes grosses me out right because like the scene where they do at least attempt david's like shirtless and lighting candles and has music on and donna shows up with perfect hair oh my gosh my dad so cute with the hair and the little robe yes like i was like how do I get my hair to look exactly <laughs> like this 100% of the time? You can't but, because you're not Donna, unfortunately. Like, I, I'm convinced it can only be Donna. It's true. It's true. Um, Nate, fun fact, Nate looked over right at this moment and goes, do you think Tori's spelling is attractive? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean, she's cute, but like, honestly, in this show, her personality is everything. She's an angel. Like, yeah, like, and I'm not trying to say that in, like, a condescending way. Like, truthfully, I think Tori Spelling is a very attractive human, but her, really and truly Donna Martin's personality is everything. Would you say you love her not just for her body, but for her mind? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, I guess. <laughs> I just, oh, my God. Because, yeah, like, David is actually being weirdly, really sweet in this moment mm-hmm. where, like, he's lighting all the candles. He, you know, I'm – assuming he made a playlist just because that's who David Silver is. Like, he wouldn't just put a tape in. Definitely. Like, he would have planned this out. And then he even technically, like, makes sure he has her consent when he's just like, are you sure you're ready to do this? And, and he like, compliments her and says, like, how great she looks. And, like, yeah, like, it's it's great. Yeah, like, this could actually be a really good first time if you ignore every single red flag that we've had in the past. <laughs> right. But then the doorbell rings. Which I have never had an apartment with a doorbell, so I was just like, what is happening here? True, true. Yeah. And then for some reason, he answers the door in his little tidy whities High-waisted tidy whities I, like, <laughs> when the Martins are there and they're like, why are you here? Do you usually, like, walk around shirtless in my daughter's apartment when she's not home? And then it pans out and he's still just in his panties. I was like, oh, my God. I can't imagine this happening. Like, I I can't imagine this happening. <laughs> you can't because who the hell surprises their college-age daughter with a visit at 10 p.m.? Right. Like, this is not a thing. It's not. It's it's bad. And, like, their whole thing where he's like, oh, Donna's not here. And they're like, then why are you alone in her house in your underwear? And he's like, I was taking a nap at 10 o'clock at night. And then Donna shows up and is like, I snuck in the house. (laughs) In a robe. I know. They're not fooling anyone, but they tried so hard. And then finally Donna's just like, okay, well, never mind. Like Donna, I mean, David lives here. We have an extra room. So he lives here. And they're just like, oh, how dare you? Yeah. We're going to church. (laughs) No, I actually did not write down like anything else for David and Donna because like, I mean, a, a lot of it just kind of made sense, and I feel like didn't really need dissection. Like, Felice is like, you've been lying to us for five months. Like, mm-hmm. why should I trust you? We shouldn't have let you do this. Like, I feel ashamed, embarrassed, you know, whatever words she used. I don't think she actually used those words. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that, like, David had to leave the apartment he stays in and go right. to Mel's house, which, like <sighs> – I get it, but ugh. Yeah, and then it made me think of, like, where did 
the Martins sleep, but then you find out the next day that, like, they stayed in a hotel. So why did David have to leave? Right? Like, I don't understand. And then, like, him being like, I'm sorry, I can't be there for you. That was actually nice. Yeah. I was like, this makes sense. Like, he actually really shouldn't be there, even if he wants Mm -hmm. to, and I appreciate that he wants to. Right. And then they have, like, a nice... We're going to go to church. We're going to go to brunch. I haven't done anything to make you embarrassed of me. We all love each other, blah, blah, blah. And really the only thing I got out of this was like there's no way Donna's having sex. Like Exactly. Her mom showing up and yelling at her the night she was going to do it is like the only sign she needs to hightail it in the other direction. And she does. She yeah. changes her mind completely but then tries to reassure David that everything's going to be fine. And this just really feels like kind of the point of no return, but Donna's not, um, she doesn't, it's just like she doesn't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to, because she really truly does love David. She just doesn't want to have sex, but like, it's that point where they realize, they, well, at least David probably realizes like, okay, well, this probably actually is a deal breaker, but he doesn't have the courage to say it. Yeah. Because like- She's like, oh, you're the best. Everything's going to be okay. And then he does physically, like, push her away from a hug to be like, mm-hmm. are you sure about that? Like, he sees it. He definitely sees it. And, like, she is happy in this relationship. She's getting everything she wants out of it. But the idea that David Silver cannot be happy in this relationship unless he is having sex with her makes me so upset. Yeah. So I look forward to the day they break up. I hope it's not on Christmas because that's her birthday, but right. maybe it should be like six months ago. Right. And if not, hopefully not on her birthday, but soon. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. <laughs> that's the episode. That's all she wrote. Okay. So I have to find the one I actually picked to be my guest for your quote of the week. Uh, I feel like you guys are going to be, like, disappointed with what you end up picking or what I end up picking, but please go on. Okay, here are my contenders. Uh, Sanders, we may have had our differences in the past, but you're one huge stud. (laughs) Um, By John Sears. Uh, That's us all right. Good old Ma and Pa down on the farm. David. (laughs) (laughs) If she has sex with me, I promise I'll marry her. (laughs) Donna, if you're listening, sweetheart, we give you our blessing to do the wild thing with David. Dream Donna's mom. Mm -hmm. Woof, Mm -hmm. Andrea and Jesse. All right. (laughs) All right. Now I've had it with you, Goomba. Why don't you get out of here? Again, John Sears (laughs) to Steve. Oh my God. Those are all so wonderful. And I applaud you because <laughs> I think two of them were in my top. But I will tell you, none of them were my quote of the week. Okay, good. Because none of those were my guesses. Well, I'll just say the two that were in my top were the wolves. <laughs> so I just, I didn't get it, but I loved it. No. <laughs> Woof. Woof. (laughs) And the second one was absolutely 
Donna or David, we give you or Donna, we give you permission to do the wild thing with David because it grossed me out so it's much. It's so horrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So my guesses are, why are you still a virgin? That's none of your business. Okay. Um, when Brandon finally tells Brenda about Emily going to France and she just gets that look in her eye and says, I can't wait to tell everyone about it. <laughs> also good. Um, and then... Say goodnight, Donna. Goodnight, Donna. We have a winner. <laughs> it was absolutely goodnight, Donna. <laughs> I love her so much. She's amazing. Like, she is so unapologetically Donna that I can't even think of another person who is more themselves and like okay with it except for maybe Brenda but even she loses herself in whoever she dates right and Donna is just always so Donna and I love it so much so when Dave is like say goodnight Donna she's like goodnight Donna it's so <laughs> cute and wonderful and happy and I love it so that was my quote of the week so but wonderful job it just brings a smile to my face no, it Me was too. it was definitely going to be a Donna if it wasn't Brenda. Just because like Brenda's so sassy. Oh, we you love to see a sassy Brenda. Yeah, it was either going to be like sassy Brenda or just like Donna being Donna. Like I, I had no other thing. Right, of course. And it's just so funny because like I don't often think of this, but like Brenda is the name of my mother-in-law. So <laughs> <laughs> like Whenever we say, like, you love to see a sassy Brenda, I'm <laughs> here to <laughs> But I don't. But I don't. <laughs> anyway. But, yes, what wonderful contenders. This was a great episode for Quotes of the Week. So hats off to you two for finding so many good ones and so many that I also would love. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that, did you grade this episode? Knowing you know – I've fallen off grading, honestly. Like, I kind of have two, and I can't tell what I'd even give this anyway. I'm going to give it a B plus it didn't earn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. No, that's that's it. Yes. That is absolutely it. Because I was going to say, like, when I texted you earlier, I was like, this episode was 90 minutes too long. That's true. The whole episode, the runtime is like, what, 41 minutes? But it was 90 minutes too long. <laughs> I paused it 20 minutes in and I was like, how am I only halfway? I wasn't even halfway. Yep. Crazy. But yes, 100% a B plus it didn't earn. That's hilarious. That's, I that's love so that. perfect. Man. All right. So next week, we have our annual Christmas episode. It's, I assume... It's because the episode is titled, it's season four, episode 15, Somewhere in the World, It's Christmas, which was the first draft of It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, if you're watching along with us, which you obviously don't have to, since we spend more time talking about this episode than the episode spends talking about the episode, <laughs> but this one's not on Hulu. Ah, yes. Good point. Good tip. So, yep. On the off chance, one of our dozen listeners needs the DVDs. Now is the time. <laughs> Send us an email and, like, we could technically – well, how would we do this? I guess we could, like, do a, a Zoom <laughs> where 
I point the because I have the DVDs and I can just point the camera to the TV. It would be horrible quality, but like we could watch it together, all dozens of us. <laughs> I'll I'll put it on the PlayStation and I'll screen share the PlayStation. There we go. To Zoom. It's, it's not copyright infringement at all. <laughs> I know we've already gotten yelled at. We'll just get yelled at again. Yeah. Just don't we'll tell. Just yeah, don't just tell anybody what you're doing. Just be cool, okay? Don't tell the NCAA. Don't, don't tell the dean. Don't, don't call the tell. campus police. <laughs> yeah. No anonymous tips, you guys. <laughs> and especially, don't tell Sando Branders, <laughs> FBI private eye. <laughs> they will catch us eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Um, so yeah, I guess until next week, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast. And you can send us your emails, send us your thoughts, send us your correspondence. We'll write back eventually. Ask if you uh, want the synopsis for next week's episode. Yes, that's we'll a great just, idea. We'll just email it out. Mary is very thorough in her synopses, so we're happy to ship it off to you um, electronically. <laughs> And you can do so at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. Y'all, should we start an email service to just send out our synopses? <laughs> well, you can get on our mailing list. Yeah. It's our e-newsletter. <laughs> you gotta... <laughs> and all of you are on it if you just tell us you want to be on it. <laughs> Leave us, go to your podcast app, rate, review, subscribe, and you will be automatically signed up for 90210 Facts with Mary, Caitlin, and Ariel. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. It's like a Patreon, but free. <laughs> <laughs> but do those things. Rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you do, give us a five-star review or any review, quite frankly. We'll shout you out. Um, on the show we haven't clearly we haven't gotten one of those in in a minute so give us your feedback yeah because yeah. we want to know where <laughs> we stand <laughs> well we'll talk about it next week mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah from all of us at back to you podcast i'm paris france i'm mike ryan woof bye <laughs> bye <laughs> see ya